Okay, welcome to Anxious in Austin. Yeah, the podcast. Podcast here mm-hmm. in Austin, Texas. Um, I am Dr. Marianne Stout. Dr. Thomas Smithyman. And we are two psychologists who specialize in anxiety disorders and OCD. Um, although we're not talking about anxiety disorders or OCD today. Well, we're not talking about them, but we are talking about something like that related. is relevant yes, to... Yes. to like working with those things. Yeah. yeah. And we originally wanted to do this podcast in response to the last one mm-hmm. about shame. Kind of the like shame being the problem and self-compassion being a solution. Um, but I, I do have to mention that I had to use a lot of self-compassion because we may or may not have already recorded a podcast <laughs> on self-compassion and with my excellent technical skills, it is lost to the universe. And so um, I had to ask for a lot of compassion from Thomas and give <laughs> myself a lot of self-compassion about my skills. Um, and we are re-recording this. Yeah. Hopefully, I don't want to think of it as being, as being re-recording. Yeah. We, we, we're just having another, another discussion, discussion about self-compassion. Yeah, thank you. In the context of you being self-compassionate <laughs> and me being compassionate. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the, the universe, for some reason, did not did want not like that one. Did yeah. not want him, no one. No one should hear should that one. Learn that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the terrible stuff that we said in that yeah. one. Um, well, maybe just for the sake of everybody being on the same page, um, talking about what self compassion is from like an operationally defined. Yeah, sure. But um, so. This is from Krista Neff. She is like a big researcher in self-compassion field. She's here at UT. Um, and she defines and, it... And let's not forget your master's thesis advisor. Advice. Yes. Yes. But, yes, but my master's thesis had nothing yeah. to do with self-compassion. But yes. I'm sure it involved a lot of self-compassion. I was very self-compassion. I worked on being self-compassionate, yeah. but it had nothing to do with it. Um... So the three elements of self-compassion are self-kindness, um, common humanity, and mindfulness. Okay. So self-kindness, I just highlighted some of the things off our website mm-hmm. to describe it. Self-compassion entails being warm and understanding toward ourselves when we suffer, fail, or feel inadequate rather than ignoring our pain or flagellating ourselves with self-criticism. Mm-hmm. The common humanity one um, recognizing that suffering and personal inadequacy is part of the shared human experience something that we all go through rather than being something that happens to me alone which I think is great because right this is where that shame piece really wants to come in and say it's just you this is a secret you shouldn't talk about this hide Mm -hmm. and this is saying like um, actually like to suffer is something that makes us Part of being human, right? Like we have in mm-hmm. common with everybody, as opposed to it's something that's just you. And, and is that getting it to the idea of um, someone else in a similar position would feel the same way? Yeah. yeah. Yes, okay. definitely. Um, and then the mindfulness piece is basically um, so mindfulness. She says, is a non-judgmental, receptive mind state in which one observes thoughts and feelings as they are without trying to suppress or deny them. 
We cannot ignore our pain and feel compassion for it at the same time. At the same time, mindfulness requires that we do not over-identify with thoughts and feelings, so we are caught up and swept away by the negative reactivity. So, like, starting to take an observer approach to mm-hmm. our to our pain as opposed to, like, yeah, being so fused yeah, with Instead of it. delving into it and re-triggering it again mm-hmm. and again and again. Like, yeah. acknowledging it, I think yeah. that's a big piece, not pretending like, oh, this isn't a problem. Yeah. I didn't do this thing or I don't feel this way, but also not getting, like, so, yeah, enveloped by it either. So those are some of the, that's how she defines it. I like, I like having that as a basis for like what it is you're working on. Mm, uh-huh. um, and I feel like I love self-compassion <laughs> just yeah. because of, I think with like OCD and anxiety and other things besides OCD and anxiety come up in our work all the time. Um, which really trigger a lot of shame. So I think this is something I've used for a very long time um, in how to counteract that and how to... Because it can feel, right, even as a therapist, it can feel like swallowing or overwhelming the, like, sadness or difficulty people are feeling. And Mm -hmm. so having this is like, let's take this, let's take a different approach to buying into what the sadness or depression or shame is trying to, you know take us away with got it how would you like how would you work with that like like you're I guess can you can you sort of come up like an example-ish yeah sure it doesn't have to be an actual actual person I'm just thinking like someone comes in and they're self-critical about I use it a lot with perfectionism for sure Uh um I use it a lot with um, right those those metacognitions those feelings about having anxiety or oh, okay. OCD. So, so self criticism for like why am I why do I experience these things mm-hmm. I shouldn't experience I this? shouldn't my, this isn't not, logical other yeah, people don't feel other people this. don't have this how come my sister doesn't have this exactly or why is this I'm broken but yeah what's wrong with me that I'm weak. this person what mm-hmm. am I doing wrong I think of it a lot like with anxiety and OCD too that piece that it's not logical like that people. Yeah. Right, like we very much value logic uh-huh. and so like this thing of like I know this doesn't make sense and I know this is silly and yet I yeah. do this thing anyway can feel very shameful and mm-hmm. so I think that self-compassion can be really helpful in that stance and I think that I find it so helpful because a piece I really struggle with like with depression is the lack of motivation mm-hmm. um, or with just like when people feel so overwhelmed and they shut down I sometimes that's when I that's why I have a hard time working with like depression because I like what do we do if we're not you know if somebody's in such a shut down place how do you have momentum yeah behavioral things go do this and go do that it's a lot harder if someone's not not able not willing yeah yeah so um I think this is really great there's a ton of research on this with motivation with resiliency Mm. um and because, right, if you are thinking, I did this bad thing, um, there is no, or I'm trying to think of like a good example. I missed class or something. I'm a terrible person. I should just hole up in my apartment and not talk to anybody and avoid the world because um, I'm so bad, right? Like, I think that 
there's no way I'm yeah making any headway with this. This comes at it like maybe I I'm hurting right now and I'm not alone. Other people struggle with this too. Yeah. Would I really kick somebody else when they were down, or would I offer them some kindness? Mm-hmm. Can I practice doing some of that for myself? Can I practice then like observing some of my thoughts and feelings as opposed to being so identified with them? I am much more likely than to have some space to try different things, right? Like, okay, I guess I could maybe, like, Uh go to the first part of my next class. Or at least, like, get out of my house and go, you know, on a walk or something. Like, people don't feel so shut down. So, yeah, so if, if you're able to be, yeah, if you're in the midst of it, and a lot of times when you're in the midst of it, right, you, you're just re-triggering it by by the rumination process. Mm-hmm. Or every time you, you replay it and attack yourself again for it, it keeps it just keeps the emotion going again and again. So, yeah, if someone comes in locked in that, the self-compassion can be a way of, like, stepping back and out mm-hmm. of, of the threatening stuff. And then that gives you some space to choose. If you're being compassionate to yourself, it doesn't mean well, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Now you can kind of choose what to do with it. And mm-hmm. like I think of that too with like, if there legitimately is something that's wrong or legitimately have acted in a way that's not ideal, which common humanity, yeah, humans constantly, it. that's how mm-hmm. we work. Um, so if that legitimately, yeah, it wasn't ideal behavior, then are you really more likely to stop that by just attacking yourself or is stepping back and going, well, how can I soothe myself, calm myself down, but now I can choose like, like how to, how to, how to do something differently in the future, how to set a plan around this. Like, what can I do to really change it? Yes. Because I, I've, I've seen little evidence that yelling at yourself is particularly yeah. useful. Um, I think like yes, this research study I read about that when it was talking about the resiliency and motivation pieces. Um, it was a 2012 study that um, they had subjects. They spent more time studying for a difficult test following an initial failure when they practiced self-compassion, right? Uh-huh. Because like they didn't do well, and right, it's not saying like oh I didn't do well and that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it's all like, it's all good. No. Yeah, it's, it's accepting that this happened. I'm, there are other people who have messed up on tests before, mm-hmm. um, and what is a thing I can do to make amends for it in the future? Um, you know, how could I study more? And they practiced self-compassion. They were able to like do better on other tests. But what yeah. they also found was greater motivation to change their weaknesses when they practice self-compassion or self-acceptance. And so it was the same mm-hmm. sort of thing of like I made a mistake toward like maybe a social mistake or yeah. something. So it's not just like I did a bad, right, academic thing. It's uh-huh. like maybe like an interpersonal thing or something that affected yeah. me in that way. And they were more likely to, right, like make some changes for that too. Mm-hmm. So it changes and work on it, which that, that's important to know, right? Yes. Yeah, if, if you inevitably, like all humans, put your foot in your mouth or mm-hmm. screw up, yeah, you're more likely to naturally want to change that if you're being compassionate to yourself. Yes, versus, right, like thinking of social anxiety. Mm-hmm. I made a mistake. I just need to, like, never do the thing again. I never need to interact with people again. That's why I fix it. Yeah. That's not and, how I fix and it. Go, yeah, yeah I'm punishing myself. Mm-hmm. Punishing myself for it. No, it sounds like, yeah, accepting it and 
maybe saying sorry, maybe trying a yeah. different approach with people in the future. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's true. I think, I mean, I see it especially for social anxiety, being being self-critical as a way of improving your social anxiety doesn't work. No. It backfires. It's one of the maintenance variables that keeps you socially anxious. I think of this a ton, too, with, like, with perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of my favorite clients are perfectionists. And so seeing this piece that, like, you can still achieve, you can still have success, and it doesn't have to mean that the only way to do that is that self-flagellation, right? Like, beating myself up is the only way I'm going to have success. Yeah. But actually, you can have success. There's all this research on you can still have success and you can actually like treat yourself kindly or enjoy it more so I think it's important for people to know there's there is research behind this there's there's research showing that being compassionate actually allows you to succeed because I think a lot of people have this implicit understanding I, I think it's a lot of times maybe some of it's culture a lot of it I think is family account kind of you know what you were taught when you were young but people, you know, come away with this implicit understanding of no, you got to yell at yourself, you got to really push yourself and attack in order to succeed, which is super painful. Yes, and what we talked about in our last podcast of how shame, right, like guilt being the behavior piece, yeah. right, can be motivating. Oh, I did mm-hmm. this bad thing, I can make changes about this thing I did, this behavior. Yeah. Versus shame being like who I am then yeah. is a bad person is not motivating. It's, not right. Right. it's demotivating. Yes. It makes it's you like shut down and call up in a ball in the corner. And avoid the world. Yes. And so this is a piece that like, wow, I can actually move toward my goals mm-hmm. and feel good about myself. And it, it, it all speaks to like that resiliency research that resiliency is the highest predictor of success. And resiliency means mm-hmm. doesn't mean no failure. Resiliency yeah. means I, I made a mistake or I, I fell off the horse and I had I was willing to get back on. And that's what so much of the self-compassion does yeah. is help with that willingness to get back on. That's that's really interesting to think to hear that too. Like, like the, the resiliency is so tied into Oh yeah, it is not correlated success. with like IQ yeah. or um, financial resources. Like it is like this resiliency, the, the willingness to try again. Uh-huh. So to be able to tolerate, yeah. tolerate it and be supportive or whatever, encouraging enough to keep keep going in order to keep achieving um this i i can't remember if we talked about this during the shame thing we probably did but this brings up the the two coaches analogy yes right I, yeah i don't think we i think we yeah. talked about that or deleted oh that, that was like, deleted. okay so the the, the, the two the two coaches analogy is you know when we you think about trying to learn any skill um or develop or pursue anything um, like what like does does yelling and attacking is that really going to be helpful so you think in terms of well what if I had a, a child or like what if some, some little you know little person you cared about and they were learning let's say baseball and would you like you had a choice of two coaches you know a coach who would whenever they made a mistake they're a beginner they're learning yeah, every time they make a mistake, the coach yells at them and tells them they're a failure and what a screw up and how could they have done that and that they'll never be good at this. And he yells at them like that as a way of motivating them to try harder. Would you want them to go to that coach? Mm-hmm. Would you want or would you want them to go to a coach who instead 
was encouraging and supportive and still coaching so still showing oh yeah you know you made this mistake here maybe try doing it this way let's practice this a few more times you can do this encouraging supportive which coach yeah, would, who would you send a kid up for yeah and that's like thinking of that way you think of it on an emotional level sure like how would that feel in each case but also like which like which coach is going to help that kid get to where they're trying to get to I think of this as like um, which all of the whole thing of what therapy is is the working on shifting us from being short term goal motivated towards long term goal motivated right like in the short term it seems like oh but beating myself up or having that jerk coach is going to be really helpful but in the long term right like we need to increase our resources Mm -hmm. right like in a way to do that is to have some of the self-kindness and to not over-identify with the negative, right? Like, in the short term, it might feel like, oh, I will, whatever, get back on my diet or swing better at that next pitch or whatever it might be, but it's hard to maintain and sustain that. What's much more sustainable is, like, yes, sometimes I need to, you know, like, fill up my resources again, right? Mm -hmm. Like, take care of myself again, have some good feelings about myself again, and I'm much more likely then to be able to keep going long term I say this yeah a lot of like people with perfectionism when they're like oh yeah I shouldn't sleep or you know like I should just go 110% all the time I'm like you can maintain that for a bit that like burning the candle at both ends yeah but right that candle goes out faster because you can't sustain that so thinking Mm -hmm. of this as like what is long term more sustainable and to get towards your goals right we're working towards long term goals right success is not just I hit this one ball or I was on my, you know, diet for one day or I yeah, studied I for one test. Perfect thing yes. For one day. Yes. Yeah. It's like I need to have like it's the looking at at the long term piece. Like looking at, you know, you gotta whatever, be at that job for a few years or you gotta mm-hmm. like get that degree over four years or what whatever. And so yeah. it's not sustainable. And so thinking of it like that, the, the short-term dips are not that big of a deal. Yeah. If I can do things that help me maintain more highs over time. Yeah. That's right. How I try to sell it and to talk about then like some of this research and resiliency yeah. and motivation with like a lot of the perfectionism piece. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, yeah. I love it. I think I've used this personally with myself. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe we talked about this before, but when I started my graduate program, they said, oh, you all can be either on the five-year track or the six-year track. Oh, and really? Yes. Huh. And you, you had two choices? Yes. Okay. And so they showed, like, what it would look like, you know, what the plan was for the yeah. five-year track or the six-year track. I was like, you know what? I don't want to hate myself <laughs> over five years. Uh-huh. I don't want to hate this experience over five years, yeah. right? Just uh-huh. to buy myself what? Like a year of being in the workforce longer or what you know like what is the ultimate goal here good capitalist and so <laughs> yeah I was like I, I think I'm going to enjoy this experience more and be more successful and be able to maintain this better if I do this six year and so it wasn't like you know it was a whole bunch of perfectionists <laughs> starting yeah. off in this grad program being like yes I'm going to do the five year oh, yes. a lot of people did not most people did not stick to a five year plan but mm. it was yeah graduated in six years like it was a much more 
doable approach to think of like, okay, what is a, yeah. what is something that's going to help me like, yeah, be able to sustain this. Yeah, I, I think I did the seven year plan. It was was even even more self compassionate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, at, at least how they set it up. Yeah. They, I mean, lots of people did lots longer, but how they were trying yeah, totally. to set yeah. it up for you. Um. What does this look like when you use this with clients? I'm curious. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I I feel like there's different bits and there's different bits and pieces, right? Um, one of the I mean one of the things I emphasize a lot and like my like a lot of my resources for self compassion come out of the Paul Gilbert. Um, so like compassion focused therapy like compassionate mind um, like the the British angle of this <laughs> <laughs> which which is a theme it's a theme um, those Brits I know yeah and I, I just really like him I really like him um, so like I'm sort of informed by that and I mean informed by it and also it lines up with kind of how I see things yeah sure so um I, I try to emphasize a lot the, the I guess the, the fact that when this stuff is happening so when the the experiences the painful experiences that are going through happening that kind of common humanity part um, I really emphasize that that's like it's understandable why it's all happening you know that it's not so because I, I want there to be a clear framework of like this is happening for this reason and if you look into the research of like why people experience things you can look and go yeah okay if you're experiencing these negative emotions there's a reason why part of it is just this is how our brains are developed this is just as humans how we work um to be self-critical and to be yeah to be self-critical and but also to to have I mean to have an a uh, threat system mm. so a threat system that's ready to pick up dangers and communicate them to you in this intense way that compels you to do these old brain responses like avoid yeah I'd say so like an example of that would be like for social anxiety like mm-hmm. you shouldn't go to this whatever yeah social engagement because last time you did you said something bad and you're a terrible person for it totally or or even even I think for social anxiety even more uh, in, intensive the example is I went to something and I was going to talk to people and then I started doing that and all of a sudden I couldn't stop blushing or my hands started shaking or I couldn't think of things to say and I, I am a I'm a failure I can't do this what's wrong with me to know no this this makes sense. We know why this is happening. Mm-hmm. You have this innate threat system. And when it, when this aspect of you, because it's an aspect of your brain, it's a whole body system. That we all have. We all have, and we're all built with this. When that kicks in for you, it's because that system has seen a danger. Yeah. The rational part of you, the, the upper brain level newer part brain. of you, mm-hmm. newer brain part of you, may not be seeing a danger. You might be seeing hey, an opportunity to connect yeah. with somebody. Here it's a but this happy all, hour. Yeah, this, this is this, fine. Yeah, right. This is like a new These person. Are not, this is not a boring tribe trying to 
steal your yeah, stuff. Yeah, nothing super dangerous mm-hmm. here, but this old brain threat system, which is there, it, it's innate, it's there to protect us. If that sees a danger, it's like, oh, I might screw up and I would, this person would, would reject me and maybe other people would find out about it. Whatever the fear is, they're going to realize how flawed I am and it's going to be these consequences. If that emotional brain is seeing that, the threat system is seeing that, it's going to kick in whether you want it to or not. Mm-hmm. It's going to just take over. And when it takes over, it's a whole body system that changes your entire experience. Against your will, a lot of times. Especially with social anxiety, against your will. It's going to make you look down and away. It might make you blush. It's going to make you shrink into yourself. Your thoughts are going to be... Uh, like you can't be creative, you're not going to think of stuff because your thoughts are focused on threats. Mm-hmm. And this, like I'll see with social anxiety, people being self-critical or ashamed of this. Sure. Um, and so to me, it's really important to know that's it's not your fault. Yeah. You're built this way. You had a series of experiences growing up that have set up your threat system to respond to this. And you possibly have a genetic component for it yeah. too yeah you, you got basic I mean yeah there's so many layers to this mm-hmm. human brains are built this way you got a genetic part your early attachment experiences have played into this you've had learning experiences throughout your childhood and you know adolescence where you've learned these these things all of those things line up put some give somebody else the same genetic stuff the same attachment relationship with parents and the same learning experiences growing up, they're going to the same thing's going to happen. Yes. And so that gets to, like, acceptance and reducing shame because I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, the... It's not my fault. Anybody would experience this. It's, it's, like it's, a, it's, a human, it's a human experience. To be human is to suffer. Yeah, so it's not something you should be attacking yourself for. Instead, we want that uh, other coach... Like, yes, it's happening. Let's understand why, and then let's figure out what the steps we can take to help. And um, I would argue that the actively being self-compassionate is something that's going to help because if you think about it, if, you're, if it's hard for you and it's hard for you to socialize, again, thinking of social anxiety, it's hard for you to... Social. I, I just got beeped, I think. <laughs> no, don't talk about that. Paul Gilbert! Beep, beep. <laughs> um, if, if it's hard for you to... Um, hard and uncomfortable for you to socialise while your threat system's turned on, then it makes sense to actively do things that... that calm down the threat system? Calm down the threat system and activate your soothing safety system your affiliation soothing because we we have an as well as the threat system we have another system which is calm contentment soothing connection which maybe people heard like the parasympathetic nervous system calming yeah it's Mm -hmm. kind of the opposite of the fight or flight Mm -hmm. we have another nervous system yeah you're sympathetic and parasympathetic yeah and so you want to be you want to be socializing or you want to be engaging in other things that you value in life 
um, you want this other system to be also developed. Which is interesting. I'm totally yeah. jumping ahead here, but yeah. in thinking of like some of the treatment of mm -hmm. how to do social compassion. Yeah. Um, some of it is like meditations, and some of yeah. it is just meditating on like some kindness. Mm -hmm. And one that I've done yeah. is uh, you are safe. Is like the first thing in there. You're safe. You're happy. You're healthy. It's like maybe safe. Maybe, maybe healthy. right. Yeah. It's like happy, a wish to the healthy. self, right? Yeah. Maybe you're a suffering ease. So, like, kind of getting at that piece of, like, even just saying out loud, like, I want to feel safe. I deserve, may I be allowed to feel safe. Yes. Right? Turning on that. Yeah. And that I, pure I think, sympathetic I think you're system. right. I think that's what it's doing. And that is, like, a chunk of, like, how the Paul Gilbert angle comes at this is actively stimulating that, that soothing affiliation emotion regulation system. Actively trying to. So, I think you're right. I think that saying that mantra and directing it towards yourself and mm -hmm. what is it again it was may i be safe may, may I, be I be happy may, may I, I be healthy may I, may my suffering ease may i have ease of suffering awesome. oh yeah and if you were to calm down and close your eyes and deliberately say that to yourself that would be a way of trying to stimulate that system to kick in just like with the threat system we use our our new brains to stimulate the threat system by asking ourselves all these questions and imagining these things or bringing up, you know... What about this? What about this danger? What if this happened? Totally. Like social anxiety, again, since we're on, on the topic and it's my favorite thing. <laughs> um, think about before, like, you got some social event coming up. What things might you be inadvertently doing that are just stimulating that threat system? Yes. Thinking about think, uh, thinking yeah. about the things that could go wrong, planning what I'm going to say ahead of time. Yeah, what, i got to think of all the things that could go wrong so that I can think of solutions to those. Mm -hmm. What you're really doing there is just stimulating, stimulating that threat system to kick in. We're trying to do the opposite of that. I think of the same thing with, like, the perfectionism, right? Like, yeah. when I put so much pressure on myself, like, it has to be this way, I have to get whatever this grade or this deal or this thing to yeah. you know it has to be this it's putting all this pressure i think of it doing the same exact thing it's totally like is. turning on that that sympathetic nervous system that threat yeah. system it says there's no other way out and otherwise if it isn't the way that it, i say it has to be yeah. then there's a threat then there's some kind of catastrophe that's totally. going to be lurking around the corner and it it starts like Yes, like reducing my capacity to be flexible and to mm -hmm. think other things and, and to... Because the threat system's taken over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we want... like what, That's one of the benefits of working to stimulate this soothing contentment affiliation system is it balances out the threat system so that rather than that fully taking over, you've got this other system that's also a bit activated. Now you can more easily work with it, you know? And yeah. Like, Sorry, that just made me think. I always yeah. talk with, like, perfectionist clients about that Yerkes-Dodson curve, which I'm sure we talked about in that perfectionism I'm sure it's uh, fine podcast to mention it again. But, but like, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the on one axis performance and on the other axis anxiety and mm -hmm. the, like, um, parabola, whatever. Parabola. That's not a word I've heard in a... That's a I've been a long time since <laughs> I've heard the word parabola. Rainbow curve, whatever. So um, there's, like, a... Uh, so, like, too uh, little anxiety. A curve or something, yeah. Yes, too little anxiety. Like, uh -huh. my performance is very low. Because I don't care. I'm not showing up to things. I'm mm. not preparing for it. I don't... I'm yeah. staying in bed, right? 
but I, too high, the same sort of thing that, that gets my, you like, where you're going. Yeah, yes, it's a I moderate am amount of stress exactly. that leads to best performance. Yes. Yeah, so I think you're right. This is doing the same thing. Like, if you're on the other end of that curve where yes, your anxiety is high enough, so high your performance, performance is low drops. too because yeah. it feels like I am overwhelmed, I am shutting down because yeah. I, I, you know, there's only perfection or failure. So, ah, I just feel like frozen by it. And so I'm, there's no way I'm going to try anything. So then, so the goal would be in that kind of situation, do some things that stimulate your your soothing system, your your safeness system, because once that's activated, it's going to put you to a more moderate level where you can really start to work with things. Yes. Okay. So then let's let's talk about treatment. Yeah, yeah. Ways of doing in, that. In my mind, ways of of stimulating that. that system. Yeah. So, so that that mantra you were saying. That's one of them. Yes, that's totally. Uh, so a lot of it is yes on different kind of meditations because mindfulness is like a big component in mm-hmm. self compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, doing meditation is a good way to practice some mindfulness. So yeah. there's lots of different self compassion, um, mindfulness exercises and meditations. Which, which my my idea would be that that's partly because it's pulling you out of just being in the threat system and just re-stimulating it. Yes. It forces you to step detach step back that allows that to calm down a little bit because you're not just re-stimulating threats and then having been mindful you can make actual choices to be doing things that are calming on purpose yes I'm not right. over identified with these like negative thoughts yeah. okay. um, so yes there's a lot of meditation some of the exercises this is just from Kristen Neff's work's uh, website is how I do this one all the time with clients. How you would treat a friend. So think about how, what you would say to a friend if they were in a similar situation, struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, what you what you would ideally say to them. Often it's like, "I'm sorry, you're suffering. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you." You know. That that just a side note. I think that acknowledgement of your own suffering is really important. Sure. Because it's really easy to, to go to the here's what you should do. Yes. Um, I think a lot of times, like for that soothing safeness system to be triggered, a lot of it is someone to acknowledge acknowledge that you are feeling this way. Which makes me think of our shame one. That so much of what keeps shame going is the secrecy yeah. of it, right? The, the hiding means of it. You can't get it. And so yes, the acknowledgement of it kind of is bringing it out into the light, yeah. like. Yeah. This is real. This is happening. It's mm-hmm. not something to, to hide and to yeah. squirrel away. Like that makes it's sense, something. yeah. You know, you're suffering. I also like to have that piece in there of, like, you're suffering, and it makes sense that you're suffering. Sure. To reduce the, the shame piece that I shouldn't feel yeah. this way. And that's that, that common humanity part of, like, yeah. And I feel like that, that's something in the, the, the compassion part. You're suffering, and it's understandable that you're suffering. Yeah, anybody would. Yeah, would anybody would struggle with this. This is a difficult experience, difficult situation. Then um, I mentioned that some because you know just sometimes when it's if it's self-directed or it's directed towards friends, because sometimes people jump a little bit too quickly into fixing it. It doesn't matter. Do this. Do this thing, which can feel a little bit dismissive yeah there's some coaching I think that happens with this like what would you say to a friend Mm -hmm. or a loved one um I often will say 
like what what do you think I might say if they're struggling with I don't know what I would say mm-hmm. so come I'm sure every therapist does this of like okay if you're hard, it's a hard time for you to use your own voice what do you think my voice would be in this situation and usually yeah. they're more likely to be like okay you would probably say that because <laughs> yeah, like, they've got kind of a, an image of you and memories of yeah sort of a personification of you right mm-hmm. yeah. so yes okay and then practice that toward yourself you know if this is what you would say to somebody you love you wouldn't Mm -hmm. kick them while they were down and say of course you're suffering you should right like what would it be like then to say so I know some people probably not people come to see us but there are people out there who that is their they would do those things. No, so no. really want it to be, oh, yeah, this compassionate, yes. compassionate people, compassionate friends. Yes. I guess I'm, I'm thinking more in terms of, because you're talking about what would a friend, what would a compassionate friend, yes. like what would you say to a friend if you were being compassionate? Yes. Yeah. And I, I think in, I guess I go more directly to what would you want as a person want to hear well, yeah. somebody yeah I'm going to just some of these are like exercises straight off of Kristen Neff's yeah. website okay um yeah oh one that she does do is where is that I really love is kind of what you're talking about identifying what we really want so that okay. piece um right kind of like you were saying like there are things that I'm that I'm, I'm wanting and I'm not able to access mm-hmm. right now so um this is, remember that if you really want to motivate yourself, love is more powerful than fear. In this exercise, you'll reframe your inner dialogue so that it's more encouraging and supportive. So, yeah, not yeah. not saying, like, you shouldn't want that or that's stupid that you're struggling mm-hmm. with this. Like, yeah, this is something that you want and something that, that you care about and what would be some, some supportive, encouraging ways of okay. working towards getting that. So instead of, like, that thing of your struggle or suffering is inadequate yeah. and shouldn't be there okay let me give you my my two favorites because yes. that's so they're so in line with this even though it's coming from a different you know different person and continent and all that. um so my two favorites and and these are things that i i will do with people or or i will do with myself um and one is like i kind of stu- i think i told you before i, I stumbled into this through a bit of the compassion-focused stuff mixed with a bit of um, Tara Brach's um, radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. And it was figuring out... Because, like, there are a lot of people who don't have somebody who is super compassionate sure. in their lives. Yeah. And we are... We are like That is the quickest way to turn that soothing safeness system on is to have someone actively be compassionate to you. But one sometimes people don't have that or two you don't have access to them all the time sure you want to be able to do you know do some of your own kind of soothing system stimulation um so figuring out what it what is it that you'd want to hear Mm -hmm. and then actually saying it to yourself really important thing this is a really important paul gilbert thing is the voice tone so the whole compassion-focused therapy came out of an initial recognition that having replacing um, like negative thoughts with more realistic thoughts helps people, but that the voice tone was a, made a big difference. That's so interesting. 
Yeah, so saying and it in a warm... Definitely, like, take for granted. Right, yeah. you, you don't even talk about it. It's like a warm, compassionate voice tone would make people so much better, they feel so much better than if the tone was, like, cold harsh. or harsh or unemotional. So he found, yeah, adding in a voice tone to the thought um, made people feel better, and that, that was the thing that led into this compassion-focused therapy. So... First of all, figuring out what would you want someone to say to you. And I would advocate for some beginning that is like I know you're I, hear you. I know you're suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you're suffering. Kind of validate your experience. Yeah. Um Hart, who I really like, he's some sort of quite I really should have brought it in. But if someone's in pain, he, he will say Darling, I know you're suffering. Oh, Kristen F does the same thing. Oh, really? And, like a lot of her meditation, she'll be like, you might want to use like a diminutive, like, oh, my darling. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's an evolutionary thing because mm-hmm. it taps into that. The having a parent take care of you is what, uh, as a child, would stimulate that system, the safeness system. Um, so, he's. Titnat Ha is, is a. Um, I think he's a Vietnamese Buddhist monk, but there's just something there's something about having that kind of like the recognition of your your suffering, and even that darling part is is, is a piece of it. I know you're suffering. I think it's I really like having the, and it makes sense. It's understandable. Of course you are. And, just, yeah, and maybe think after I've done this with a lot of clients, they do say like I feel like a kid kind of right now. So, and, yeah, tapping into some of that. And that's because that's exactly how this system developed and was set up. Set up to be... We didn't do our own soothing, right? As mm-hmm. kids, we had parents who'd come in and say say those kind of things to the kid because that is what would make them... What would stimulate the safeness, Or even thinking of, system. like, lullabies, right? In, like, a soft yeah, tone. Like, yeah. you're trying to stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system make your kid go to sleep. Like, makes, you're not, like, yelling at them to go to sleep. You're... That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Singing yeah. in a soft, yeah. Sorry, that's yeah. Off. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so just kind of having both of those things, you know, the, and and then maybe some some sort of like what else you'd want to hear, which might be like it's going to be okay, mm-hmm. like you've gotten through this before, yeah, or it's painful, but you know you know you're you. doing the right thing or mm-hmm. moving something like what are the things you'd want to hear, and definitely think about adding those components doing it in a warm a warm voice tone and the last thing yeah I, I took from the radical acceptance is placing your hand an, like an inch or two above your heart and putting that physical warmth and physical comfort and that ties exactly back into that that soothing compassionate sort of parental figure that was sure. hardwired to be soothed by that and it might sound funny with us talking about it, um, but, but try I, it. Like it, yeah. it feels physiological. It feels physiologically soothing. But some of the things that we're talking about are not like logical, right? Like yeah, we're not talking about part like of the this brain. part of your brain. We're yeah. talking about like accessing mm-hmm. older parts of your brain. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah, it might sound silly, but guess what? Like these yeah. emotions, if you said them out loud, sound a little silly. <laughs> yes. Or so many of these thoughts when people talk about anxiety, like it sounds silly because it's yeah. not accessing that part of your brain. Totally. Okay. So that's one. The, the other one, the the diet. 
and I, I personally do this every day is I do like a, a compassionate meditation like a self-compassionate meditation where um, it's, it's like a visualization based so I'm putting myself into a location that is really soothing and calming for me and, and I'll play with it a little bit changes it a little bit at various times um, but I resonate with the rainforest and the ocean sometimes I will be sitting in a rainforest on the edge of the ocean because it, it just happens to be how it works that, that day sometimes they're real locations other times they're like amalgamations yeah um, so in that kind of soothing calming place um, and in where it's almost like the location I'm in is itself compassionate mm. like self-compassionate and it's trying to stimulate that that soothing system um, I have an and or of I bring in this is directly out of Paul Gilbert I bring in a compassionate image into it of like an, an ideal compassionate like, like person or, yeah mm-hmm. person or animal like people recently have been picking animals mm-hmm. um, like people or animal or a plant some some image of like this is an ideal compassionate image um, for me sometimes it's in my uh, parents house in Australia makes sense with my parents not actually <laughs> there they're like a little bit they're like in another room or something but I, it's like I know they're there and the place and the the people are compassionate um, or it's just the place itself sometimes the rainforest itself is compassionate to me um, and then the third one is Titnat Han who I just find the, the most compassionate person I've come across so I will bring up that image of him and it, sometimes in this like my whatever I'm feeling is sort of goes to him and he says stuff back to me mm-hmm. in his like really soft heavily accented voice um, and other times it's, it's just the image itself is there there's always there's this feeling of like this person understands so I do that every day which from listening I feel like from listening to our podcast a lot of insight into what I do with my time every day is meditate well yeah but I have these oh. various like I do, you know, like the we did the um, oh the journaling and mm-hmm. yeah expressive writing, and I do that every day as well. I have my wow. I have to tick these things off as I do them, but it's because they're really helpful. Yeah, I meditate many days a week, but I don't have like a daily structured yeah. time for it. Um, but yeah. So, and anything else? Oh, there's just one other thing I yeah. wanted to say. We talked about perfectionism, mm-hmm. social anxiety. Uh, there's so much research on this with uh, body image and eating disorder stuff. Uh, the that makes sense, right? Because how much so? Because at, so at its core, it's self-critical, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that this has done tons of um, help in improving body image and reducing pathology, so ways of like harming your body. Through what, and I'm just thinking that sounds super relevant. Like you don't have to have a body dysmorphic or an eating no, disorder no. like what percentage of people do you think have uh, self-critical 100%? body image? Yes. I, that would be my thought too 100%. Well, and just seeing I mean so I looked at like a, a lit review um, it was looking at many different studies many different like types of research and they all came up with every single one of them said that there was a positive result with self using self-compassion and increasing increasing body image and decreasing like self-harm 
path like body pathology behaviors. So yeah, that makes sense. I, Liking your body yeah. more. Yeah, it's a good thing. I think I, I think yeah for for all of us like learning to stimulate that soothing sateness system with mm-hmm. self compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's helpful for all of us. Oh well, may we all be healthy, happy, safe. And have ease of suffering. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah and Re- also, oh, another person who does some of this research mm-hmm. in kind of a different approach, though, who I think is very good at marketing. Um, oh, my gosh. Why am I blanking? Renee Brown? Renee Brown. Thank you. Yeah. So, He's very sure. good at marketing. My very good at marketing, despite the fact that I can't remember her name. Um, she does a lot of this, too. Yeah. Um, she has some great books out there, too, that yeah, I, touch I, on some of this Yeah, I did one of her too. talks recently. Like, good Good information. Yes. Good good information to know. Yes. Um, um, and Christian Neff's website, she has tons of resources and mm-hmm. books and things oh, to, yeah. um, if you want to learn more about it. Yeah. Self-compassion.org. Okay. That's a good one. I don't know his website, but look Paul up Gilbert. Compassion Focused Therapy, Paul Gilbert. He is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think a good, He's like, explanation, right, like, neurological explanation. Yeah. And to help with that, like, understanding of why. Totally. So to reduce some of the shame that it's yes. just me. It's yes. my fault. Yeah. Really useful. Um, well, thanks so much for yeah, listening. Yeah, th- thanks for listening. And please get, help us out. Yes. We are We are working on this idea of... Uh, doing some minimal degree of trying to market ourselves. We know nothing um, about the marketing aspect yeah. of yeah. this. Yeah, so, but I have listened to enough other podcasts yes. to realize that yes. everybody says, please rate us. Yes. Subscribe to our, yes. whatever it is, channel. Yeah. And um, write a review or yes. tell tell some people or yeah. something. Yeah, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, we we'd appreciate it. We uh, our goal is to try to put this stuff out so that it's going to be useful and helpful to people. Yeah. Um. So if you can help us, help us do help that. others, please do. Yeah. Maybe your good deed for the day. No. Oh, this would be, be compassionate, about. right? Yes, that self compassion. Um. Right. People who are more self compassionate towards themselves. Oh, they become more compassionate, more compassionate to others. towards others. Yeah. So yes, work in a little self compassion, and yeah, and you can what goes around comes around. So so be. Be compassionate, both to us and everybody else. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.